cues from the creators of conversational Christianity. I've always felt like that picture kind of captured some of the thoughts that I'm trying to put through with this particular series. you got two guys sitting basically cheek to cheek, both on their cell phones. This guy's got a, his earbuds in and all that. And it's like they don't even know that there are two worlds that are that close together. Imagine what could occur if one of those folks would actually turn around to the other and share his Christian values with him. Cues from the creators of conversational Christianity. We need to, to do better in this. As I try to start off each time, I give you five questions for the Restoration School of Biblical Studies, or if you just want to study on your own. Here are those five questions. Use them for your own personal Bible study as we move through a really interesting text in Acts chapter 16. Screenshot that and we'll be ready to go. You got it? Conversational Christianity. <clears throat> The key word for this particular lesson is going to be assurance, being sure of yourself. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 40. Feel free to open up in your own Bibles and, and watch it unfold there in, in the Bible that's in front of you, or you're going to see it as I place these various texts on the screen here. But again, as we've been moving through uh, the life of Christ and now uh, the, the, uh, book, uh, the book of Acts with regards to the various engagements that uh, the apostles had and others had with each other, I want to emphasize this word assurance. What's going to happen in Acts 16 is we're going to see uh, Paul and Silas in the back end of a prison cell, and they are sure of themselves. Even though they've been whooped upon for doing a good thing, they are now in stocks at the back end of the prison cell, guarded well, and yet they're sure of themselves. Sure enough that they're singing and praying at midnight. Really interesting passage, and I think major applications for you and I. Three specifically, and I'll list them each bup, 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 here at the top. First application that I want you to see is that they were sure of their purpose. They were sure of their purpose. Acts 16, 25 through 30. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Pause for a moment. Remember what has taken place prior to this, and that is that they have exercised the demon from the little slave girl. That gets them in trouble because some folks were taking advantage of the little girl, and uh, they now don't have any income coming off of that little girl. And so they drag them before the magistrates and everybody else. They begin whooping upon them, and they put them into jail. All right, And they, are, they place the jailer in charge and say, don't let these guys out. Well, about midnight, <clears throat> after being whooped upon, big day, beat up, on and on you go, Paul and Silas are singing and praying. And this is a pretty big deal to evidently the prisoners, because they're also listening to what's going on. It must have been an oddity. I mean, when's the last time you had somebody thrown in this pit that uh, was beat and hurt and sore and they're singing and they're praying and they're giving glory to God? I mean, this would have been a, this would have been a major oddity. But the point is that in their conversations that they're having with the other prisoners via their singing and praying, and probably other conversational ways as well, but we know that this is happening, they are having an impact because they're sure of their purpose. My purpose in life, even though I might find myself behind prison bars, unjustly find myself behind prison bars, my, pur my purpose in life hasn't changed. I'm to bring glory to God, and so I'm going to do that. But you continue reading, you know the story, how that uh, they're going to be singing and praying, praying. Suddenly there's going to be a great earthquake, 
and it says immediately all the doors are open, everybody's bonds were unfastened. Then the jailer wakes up and he sees the prison doors are open. He drew his sword. He's about to kill himself. Supposing this prisoners has escaped because you know the the background that uh, these these uh, these individuals who are placed in charge of other men, if they those men escape while under their care, they're often tortured horribly before they are put to death. And he's like, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to. I'll kill myself before I let them torture me to death. And he thinks that they've escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, "said Do not harm yourself. For we're all here." Again. Assurance of purpose. I find this to be really remarkable because a lot of things that I could I could say about it, but and we don't know the answers for sure. But number one, why didn't any of the other prisoners escape? It says that everybody's chains and everything's falling off. The walls evidently are falling down. They seem to have the opportunity. Is it possible that the prisoners stay because they are fascinated by these two men who've been telling them about Jesus at least through song and prayer? I don't know. We, we can't answer the question, but the but it's interesting that nobody runs out. And then Paul, who's the prisoner, <laughs> he begins giving orders to the prison keeper. Don't arm yourself. We're all still here. And the prisoner, prison keeper has to be thinking to himself, the jailer, what are you doing? <laughs> if it had been me, I'd have been long gone, but you're still here. The whole, he, he just had to be fascinated by the faith of these two men. Thus, our purpose is so important to our conversation. If you know your purpose and you're powered, empowered by your purpose, think of the impact that you can have just on those who are watching, just your, your example, let alone those who are going to be actually engaged as far as the, the, uh, the, the jailer is concerned. So number one, sure of purpose, this idea of assurance Number two, it's not just the assurance of purpose, but it's also the assurance of message. Notice they don't get off script. Uh, there's no compromise. What they're going to share is going to be consistent throughout. It says that then he, that is the jailer, is going to bring them out, and he says to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is not unlike the, the, the story of Philip and the eunuch, where they're driving along and the eunuch actually initiates the conversation about, hey, here's water, why can't I be baptized? You have to, it has to be implied then that there's something about teaching Jesus that is connected to baptism. Well, the same thing is true here. You got to, it's got to be implied that something about what they were singing and praying about is connected to salvation. Why else would he ask the question? So he comes running in. He says, what do I got to do to be saved? Well, Paul's going to respond. He's going to say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his household. And so at some point, we're going to transition from the prison to the house. And the jailer is going to open up the conversation. And but with a question, what do I have to be saved? And Paul and Silas are going to take the opportunity to not just teach him, but the entire household. And so again, we're going to have a house church that's being established here in Acts chapter 16. We've already talked about Lydia. And we'll see her at the end of the chapter. They go back to her house. So there may very well have been two house churches that were established in Philippi. They may have come together to meet. I don't know. But we definitely have at least two settings where we've got gatherings of people that are Christians taking place in the city of Philippi after this event takes place. And so they spoke to him, the Lord of the Lord, and he took them that very night 
and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. Significant of significance of baptism. Baptized and his family. And by the way, just because it says all of his family, it doesn't imply that there's necessarily babies being baptized in Acts chapter 16. There's nothing in Acts 16 that indicates there are babies in the, in the, in the home, in the family. Then he brought them up into the house, and he set food before them, and they rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And so the second thing that you see is that they're going to stay with the script, and the script is Jesus first. Even if I'm bruised and battered for doing a good thing, Jesus gets praised. See the script? And when given the opportunity to speak, even though I'm bruised and battered, I'm in jail for the wrong reason, talking to the jailer himself who keeps me here, I'm going to stay on script and I'm going to talk about Jesus. Assurance of message. And then number three, it's also the assurance of advantage. This one might be a little bit, it's not difficult to put together, but it's one that might you might find application being difficult. And yet, it's one of those I think that we need to think about. Once God has used you in a powerful way, and people have seen that you have been used in a powerful way because of your purpose and the message that you have given, a lot of times that puts you in a place of advantage that you need to push. You need to press for all the opportunities to be taken advantage of, all the advantages to, to be appreciated. You need to push. And that's what's going to happen here as we conclude our story in Acts 16. When it's day, the magistrate sent, to the, police, sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrate, magistrates have sent uh, to let you go. Therefore, come now and go in peace. So what are you going to do? We're free men. Let's head out. Paul's going to push his advantage. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, who are uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens. They've thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? I don't think so. No, let them come themselves and take us out. Now, some might think that this is just a matter of spite. I don't know. Paul was human. He, maybe he did have spite in his heart. I, I, I have no idea. But I do know that one thing that's going to take place with regards to this is this is going to empower a lot of things. It's going to empower their message. But it also, think about this, in some ways it's going to protect, in the future, it's going to protect the jailer from the situation that has just occurred. You ever think about that one? Because what takes place here now is Paul's going to press those who have basically abused them and put the jailer in a bad spot to also be an abuser. <laughs> think about this one. Notice where we're at the next day. We're back in jail. Where were we at earlier that morning? We were at the jailer's house eating, having a big meal. A party, basically, because they have come to know Jesus. Think about the transition. At what point during the early morning hours did the jailer say, <clears throat> I don't even know how to say this, Paul, but unless I put you back in jail, I'm going to get in trouble. Not a problem, Silas says. Paul says, not a problem. Let's go. And so at some point, there's this awkward moment where the jailer has to put his two buddies that had just led him to Christ, has to put them back in jail. Because we, that's where they're at the next day, right? I think that some of what Paul is doing here is pressing his advantage. His message is going to have just that much more credibility if he doesn't just up and run away. But also I think he is protecting his new brother in Christ. Now, you tell them to come and take us out. 
Notice what happens in verse 38. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Now that fear is going to translate over, I think, in the future to making sure that the jailer doesn't get in trouble for the scenario. So they came and they apologized to Paul and Silas. <laughs> we are sorry that we beat you within an inch of your life. We are sorry that we let the angry mob just whoop up on you and put you in jail. We are sorry. Can you imagine? But you understand what's happening here as they grovel at the feet of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are taking full advantage of the advantage that they have. Next thing is interesting, too. And they took them out and they asked them to leave the city. Please, we've created enough of a mess here. It would help us out if you just go on your, your merry way. But they don't. Watch. Verse 40. So they went out of the prison and left the town quickly. No. Went out of the prison and they visited Lydia. And... When they had seen the brothers, then they encouraged them and departed. <laughs> so I don't know how long that took. But again, they're pressing their advantage. And the advantage is I can protect my buddy, the jailer, and I can still check on Lydia. What are they going to do? They're not going to run us out of town after the mess that they have made. And I can take care of the rest of the brethren. who. So that we've got house churches happening here. We've got the churches being built up, and so they take the time to encourage them, and they press the advantage that they have been given. So they are sure of purpose, sure of message, and sure of, uh, of advantage. They're going to make sure that they take full advantage of the advantages that they have. So by way of conversational Christianity, your key word then is assurance. Be sure of yourself. Be sure that you have a purpose. Regardless of where you end up, you've got a purpose. And your message has to be rooted in Jesus. And when it is rooted in Jesus, you can be assured that you're giving what needs to be given. And then lastly, when you have that opportunity that comes your way after all that God has set up on your behalf, push the advantages for the advantages of God. All right, here are <coughs> those five questions that we alluded to earlier. Go ahead and take a screenshot of that. You got them? Well, I love you guys. I appreciate you so much for being a part of our time together. I hope that you're enjoying the conversational Christianity cues and putting them to work in your life.